Hello and welcome to Please Feed My Bookworm Thoughts. I'm Cassie from My Thoughts Literally. Hi guys, I'm Brittany from Please Feed the Bookworm. Hey Britt. Cassie. <laughs> um, so we have a very, very exciting podcast for you today. Uh, it is Sunday, April 17th when we're recording this. Uh, it's the podcast isn't going up for about 10 days, so keep that in mind when we talk about what we're reading and everything. Um, but we have a super special guest today. Uh, we just got off interviewing Roshni Chakshi, who is the author of A Star-Touched Queen, which is a YA fantasy coming out on April 26th from St. Martin's Griffin. Um, she was such a delight to talk to, and we were so excited to have her um, on the podcast. So definitely stay tuned for all the fun stuff about her and the book. Um, it's amazing. She's amazing. The book is amazing. It's yeah, definitely listen to this interview. She gives us some really great stuff, especially flesh eating spirit horses. So just listen to this interview. You're going to love it. And if you're not already excited about the Star Touch Queen, you're definitely going to be by yeah. the end of this. <laughs> okay, so what we do first is we talk a little bit about what we're reading. So what I'm reading right now is, you'll never guess, the Star Touch <laughs> Queen. We actually are going to do a review on our podcast next week. So... Get ready for that. Um, and, of course, me and Cassie. Cassie's been listening to the Raven Boys on audio, and I got super jealous. So I downloaded my Raven Boys on audio, too. <laughs> and it's the book is amazing. I There's so many things you forget, and Maggie's writing is just so loaded. She is so poetic with her words that it's a joy to listen to again. And I'm very excited that we're doing it together. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're on the Dream Thieves now, right? Yep. Well, I just finished the Dream Thieves. Oh, so good. I mean, I just love Ronan Lynch so much. I will never not laugh when Ronan talks. Yeah, he's great. I think Dream Thieves, I think Dream Thieves, the Dream Thieves is my favorite and my, and Blue Lily is my second favorite. So if you guys haven't read this series yet, the Raven Boys series by Maggie Stiefvater, mm-hmm. please do so. The last book is coming out April 26th, The Raven King. Mm-hmm. It's just time to get it cracking. So definitely pick that one up. Yeah. And if you're audiobook fans, like anything and everything of Maggie's on audio is amazing. Like the Scorpio races is amazing, but the Raven Cycle audiobooks are fantastic. Um, her writing's just so atmospheric and um, so well plotted that it translates so well to the audio format. And this narrator is amazing, right? Yeah, like, definitely. <laughs> the books are set in Virginia, and he has just like such a subtlety to the way that he does the narration, and even like. Like, there are some people that I was like, ugh, I hate Kavinsky's accent. And then it grows on me, and I'm like, all right, I get it. So. Yeah, the accents are a little weird at first mm-hmm. because it's not something you're used to hearing. But then, it, like, the story gets going, and you're like, hey, yeah, I get it now. This is how it's supposed to be. And it, to- it makes total sense. And Kathy's right. Like, if you like listening to your audiobooks a little fast, don't with this one because it's yeah. like you need that kind of southern drawl to, like, make it give it that extra punch that the story needs so yeah yeah it's it's taken me a little longer to listen because i'm listening to it on one instead of 1.25 but it's totally worth it that's another neat trick kathy taught me is if you're if you like audiobooks crank them up to 1.25 they go a lot faster and most of the time, not in the case of the Ravenborn Boys, most of the time it does um, kind of help with some narrators. So mm-hmm. if you're having trouble struggling through somebody who's just talking so slow, speed it up and it'll definitely help the book out. Yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I just finished The Dream Thieves, so I'm about to start Blue Lily Lily Blue, uh, which I'm excited about. 
Um, and then I'm also uh, about 10 pages into the Star Touched Queen. Um, but it, to be entirely honest, I may put it down and read something else because uh, I want to give it a little bit more time um, or like individual attention. Uh, so I, I might pick up, I'm probably going to pick up Wolf by Wolf by Ryan Groden. I think that's how you say her name. Yeah. Yeah. Have you read Wolf by Wolf? Yes, I did. It was really good. Yeah. I've heard really good things and I've heard good things about people who have not really liked this author in the past. So. Yeah. I liked uh, her other book. A lot of people didn't like, um, The Walled City, but I liked it. I found it, it was very interesting. You yeah. think that they're gonna be like a a fantasy book, but they're not. It's just like kind of a, a an alternate universe. It's more based in reality, so don't go in expecting anything magical or mystical, because there isn't any of that. It's it's just really character driven stuff. Okay. Um. Yeah. But Wolf by Wolf sounds really good, and I've heard really good things. And it's a alternate history, nineteen fifties, where um. Germany won World War II. Yep. So it sounds really interesting, and the sequel is going to be at BA. Um, just found out that. It is. Uh, That's exciting. Yeah. Blood by Blood? Yes. Um, so I, I think I might give it a try to see if I want to pick up the sequel. Um, and then I'm hoping to finish in the next couple of days The Darkest Corners by Kara Thomas, um, which I know I've talked about on previous podcasts. Um, the Darkest Corners is a YA mystery set in Western Pennsylvania, where I live. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's equal parts like creepy and cool because it's weird. I don't think I've read a book where they've so specifically mentioned places that I know. Um, but also, like, they don't, the town that the book takes place in isn't a real town, but it feels familiar. So it's kind of a weird situation. Um, but I'm liking it so far. I haven't figured out the mystery yet, and I'm about halfway in, which is a good thing for me. Um, but I have some ideas, and I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, actually, Michelle, who was on the podcast last time, she's already read it. And she calls me a mystery snob because I solve a lot of mysteries, and I'm, like, hard to impress when it comes to mysteries. And she, she's hard to impress, too. And she really liked this one, and she was like, you're not going to solve it. So now I'm even more determined to solve it. Uh-huh mystery snob I like that yeah yeah it's kind of true I am a snob when it comes to some mysteries especially YA mysteries like they can often be a little predictable and basic so you're good at solving them then. I am <laughs> <laughs> um all right so now we are going to talk a little bit about what is going on on our blogs and sadly to say nothing I really don't have a whole lot going on, guys. I'm sorry. I've been kind of out of it lately. Um, I got a lot of stuff going on. I am going to catch up. I, I don't know how I got so far behind in reviews, but I think I have like 10 books to review that I've already read. Yeah, so I got to start writing. I've just been very um kind of into my family and just doing stuff with my son. He's about to graduate preschool, and apparently there is practice to graduate preschool, so, you know. That takes up a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a lot going on in my blog right now either. I, I'm kind of in a bit of a reading slump. Um, I, I have been taking my time rereading The Raven Cycle, and then I've just been, like, really busy with work and impulsively buying beds at yard sales and... <laughs> <laughs> just like not having time just the box to... spring just the box spring not a mattress guys don't worry yeah yeah no 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 mattresses at yard sales just the bed frame and box spring no no mattresses <laughs> um but i just bought a mattress actually i bought a mattress on amazon there you go yeah. 
More than just books. Who knew? I think it's just springtime and everybody's kind of doing spring cleaning and waking up from the cold weather and finally getting outside. So I think it's, you know, a little slow, a little slow time. I think summer yeah. blogging always kind of slows down. There's a lot of vacations and all that good stuff going on. Yeah, definitely. But um, I, I, I've also been really review heavy in the winter, like February, March. I had a ton of reviews. And I, I, I'm not really one to uh, save them up. So I just sort of like word vomited all my reviews. So I'm thinking maybe in the future I should reserve um, some reviews for if I am going through these periods where I don't have anything to read. I can have a review ready to go. But um, yeah. And I may do some discussions now that I uh, don't have reviews, because I, I, I have been doing so many, so might do some non-review stuff. Good idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'll have my uh, reread review of The Raven Cycle, the books I'm reading. Um, so we'll see. Not really sure. <laughs> For me, for me, I want to kind of keep my schedule clear because we're going to get, you know, a couple of awesome books probably. I want to have yeah. time to, you know, read them or be excited about them without having too many other obligations at the time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm also thinking that, like, I might take a hiatus during yeah. DEA. Like, I don't, use, I don't usually do that. I still have my normal reviews that go up. Um, but based on the way that I'm reading, I may end up doing a hiatus. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good idea. It, it's just, you don't want to distract yourself. If anybody is planning on coming to BEA for the first time, or, you know, whatever, not your first time, just give yourself a little break. What is it, like four or five days? It's not a big deal. I'm sure you're not going to lose followers because of it. But give yourself time to really yeah. not stress about it. Because you know what? I told myself last year, I'll post, don't worry, I will do some stuff. And then there was no time for it at all. Unless you're like a super planner like Cassie and you want to post everything in advance. But even then you come across a problem where you, there are pe people that might comment, you can't reply right away, and then you get and it's like, yeah. oh, there's 500 comments, what am I going to do? Not literally, I've never had 500 comments in my whole life, but you know what I mean. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I also think like, if you don't take a hiatus during BEA, then when you get back, you won't have anything yeah. to post. Just because if you're going to BEA for the first time, like, you're not going to have time to read. Uh, you're, like, yeah, you can read some stuff while you're sitting in line, but, like, I'm not a fast reader. Like, I'm not going to be able to finish a book while I'm waiting in line for something. Like, I need to take days to read it and... You know, I'd much rather talk to people in line than ignore them because I'm reading a book. So, good idea. Yeah. But now I hope you guys are super excited because it is time for our amazing interview. Are you ready, Cassie? I'm ready. And we are so excited to have our special guest here today, Roshni Shakshi, who is the author of the upcoming debut, The Star-Touched Queen, which releases on April 26th from St. Martin's Press. Um, so, hi, Roshni. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome. We're very excited that you're here and Everybody in the blogger world, in our world, is super excited about your book. I don't know anybody <laughs> who doesn't know about it or hasn't tried to read it or hasn't said they are dying to read it. So um, why don't you start out by giving us like a brief elevator speech for people who, for some reason, I don't even know who these people are. <laughs> They're living under rocks, I think. Yeah, the, the under the rock people that don't know about Star Touch Queen already. Okay, perfect. Um, well, I'm rock people, you got to look up from the rock and look at the stars, first of all. Haha. Um, but the book is sort of a retelling of the Hades and Persephone myth. 
but within the context of Indian mythology, there is a lot of stuff about cursed horoscopes and I think, at least I think so, you know, cool other worlds that are hidden beneath our own human realm that we understand and an enchanted palace and a flesh-eating demon horse and my elevator pitch is going on way too long, so I'll stop now. <laughs> That's okay. Those all sound like amazing things. It's like <laughs> you put all of our favorite things into one book. Exactly. <laughs> I know Britt perks up about Demon Horse. Oh, oh my God. That just made my heart flutter. So <laughs> Horse is like my thing all the way. Yeah. Um, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're, we're both really, really excited about it. It's one of our most anticipated debuts. Um, so I think we both kind of started reading a little bit of it today. Um, so I, I really like the way it's going so far, but I'm only 10 pages in. <laughs> We're changing <laughs> um, the experience. Yeah. So um, can you tell us a little bit about the characters? How would you describe the main character of Maya? I think Maya is, she's really characterized, I think, by her ambition. Um, within the world that she's grown up in, horoscopes and these weird celestial axes, which are assigned to your life, are very rigid. And she has always done her best to live around those cursed parameters of her life. Um, but what I really, really love about Maya is that even growing up with this, you know, burden that could make a lot of people bitter, she is very open to love. And she is very caring and giving. And that's a trait that I respected a lot with fairy tale characters um for example with cinderella or snow white you have these young women when you really think about it put into these positions that are emotionally traumatic you know the family that should love them or care for them is treats them awfully and yet they never lose their ability to love and for some that may be a, an emotional fantasy but for others you know it's a it's something to really cherish about yourself, not to not to let it get to you and to hold on to that hold on to that ability to love. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's those are like the female characters that I love, the the ones that sort of are well rounded in that they don't let the horrible experiences that they've had you know, hinder the way that they treat people. Um, like, one of my favorite, you just made me think of Sansa Stark from the A Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones series. <laughs> yeah, she's my absolute favorite. And I've had so, I, I'm like Sansa Stark Defense Force times a thousand. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so I, that sounds awesome about Maya that she, you know, still has that capacity to love and, um, you know, doesn't let a bad thing get her down. That That inner strength is something that I love to read about for sure especially as the um you know narrator for a story i am totally an aria star sorry guys i <laughs> but that's also why i like to read the, those types of characters because i'm such the opposite where i'm like oh i would punch you in the face i hate you guys so much i would burn out your house <laughs> it's it's really a perspective that i don't have mm-hmm. and it, it makes me feel like happy <laughs> so, <laughs> so angry so while we're on the topic of characters did you have a favorite character to write in this book definitely the flesh-eating demon horse <laughs> totally um you know she is so wickedly off kilter i mean i would never take this horse's advice like ever but you know <laughs> even though she's Pardon my friend, batshit crazy. She is still fiercely loyal of her friends. And I really love that about her. And I think I put a lot of my own um, sense of humor and me and my best friend's sense of humor and the flesh-eating demon horse. So um, now we know what we'll be when we're reincarnated. And I can't wait. That's awesome. So it's a talking flesh-eating demon horse. Oh, yes. She gives all kinds of advice. She's just, you know, ignore her. Please ignore her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she just got even better if she's talking and then gives bad advice. (laughs) Love her already. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
So how about the world of the book? You said it's uh, Hades and Persephone myths mm -hmm. inspired by Indian mythology. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the world that we're inhabiting here? It's high fantasy, so, um, you know, it's a different kind of world. So. Yeah. What can you tell us? <laughs> well, Hindu mythology is interesting because it has a lot of separate other worlds. Um, there are realms upon realms that are kind of, you know, imagine them almost tiered like pieces of a cake. And um, there may be a realm and kingdom that's dedicated just to the monkey people, like the Vanras. There could be kingdoms dedicated to the snake people, like Nagas. There's a place called Fathala, which is inhabited by beautiful demon maidens and all kinds of stuff, where there is no sun, but very, very bright jewels. Um, and that was sort of the atmosphere that I wanted to build in the Star-Touched Queen. There are multiple realms. You can access all of them. Death itself is a realm. And, um, you know, its treatment in Hinduism is that death is not a, you know, the underworld itself isn't a place of permanence. It is just a place where you cycle through and you atone for everything that you've done in your past life before you move on to the next. Um, and so that was kind of the the world that's within the star-touched queen. Um, they're very interconnected. They certainly have their own magical rules and systems. And I tried to draw on some Indian mythology, but I also really love depictions of the other world in Western mythology, uh, like fairyland in Celtic folklore. This idea that you can't see this other land until you, you maybe you look, you find it from the corner of your eye or something. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a bit about the world. I, I think it was, it was really fun to write. So I hope you guys like it. Cool. Yeah. So that sounds really interesting. So there's like a lot to explore, um, like a lot of different worlds. Uh, and it, that also reminds me a little bit of Norse mythology because it has, it has the same yeah. sort of thing where like earth is one of the realms, but there's also the realm of yeah. death. And, yeah. Yeah, more and more in there. Jotunheim so. is, I think that's one of them with the frost giants, which is just awesome. Totally love to visit. Yeah. <laughs> one day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know you probably get this question a lot, but what was the little, the little seed that that got planted that inspired you to actually sit down and start writing the Star Touch Queen? I think. It's a, it's a really weird, hazy memory, honestly. Um, I think I had the idea, the idea for the Star-Touched Queen as early as 2010, and um, then very, very slowly it took root. But I think it was when um, my parents had taken us to one of those drive-through light shows during Christmas time, and I didn't have my glasses, and I remember looking at a Christmas tree and thinking like, oh, what if those aren't lights? What if there's something else on the tree? And that kind of raised this question of what else would a tree grow? What if it's not fruit? What if it's memory is hanging off a tree um, or something else? And it was just a weird image that kind of stuck with me over the years. And so I guess it all started with a Christmas tree. <laughs> wow. just, a, just a note for you guys. Rashi has an awesome Pinterest board on <laughs> Queen, which I will link in the bottom of post. So if you guys want to check that out, I definitely think if you're going to read this book, check it out. I've been browsing at like for the past two days and I'm just stunned by some of the pictures on there. So look for that link in the bottom of my post or Cassie's post or both our posts. We'll see. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you use Pinterest a lot when you're writing? I do. I think I have a Pinterest board for every single half-baked idea that pops into my head it is not necessarily a good thing because then it's just overwhelmed but then I still want to pin stuff like makeup looks and so it's just completely incongruous and I need to work on that <laughs> <laughs> that's okay um I, I love looking at authors interest boards and it helps sort of um get you to visualize the world and the characters or yeah. you know what in your head can then go into our head sometimes, which is kind of interesting because, you know, a lot of readers like to imagine things for themselves, but it just helps give a lot of context. 
for me. Totally so. understand that. I think Sarah J. Mass has one of the most awesome Pinterest boards ever. And I, I totally lift things from it all the time. I'm like, thanks, Sarah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so it's awful. <laughs> but yeah, Sarah does have great ones. We love you, Sarah. <laughs> We're big Throne of Glass fans over here. She is so wonderful and also just like the nicest human being. When she blurred Star Touch Queen, I like fell out of my chair. It was totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a an amazing one to get blurred from. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so now we thought we'd talk a little bit about your writing process. So we mentioned Pinterest, how you use Pinterest, but, um, would you, you know, I'm sure writers hear this question a lot, but are you more of a plotter or a pantser? Do you like plan things out or just let the characters take you where they want? I would never let my characters take me where they want to. They're insane. I do not trust them. Um, (laughs) I'm a very, very firm plotter. The problem with my plotting though is that it occurs mostly on the back of receipts and index cards that already have like scribbles on them and so <laughs> I really have to you know my whole family and my friends and boyfriend know that if there's a pile of paper anywhere around my living space or writing space just leave it alone if it looks messed up leave it alone it is in its own chronology it is its own language I know that there's a lot of star like Starbucks napkins that have like manic scribblings on it. Just like leave it. <laughs> so organized chaos of the plotting. Organized chaos. Yeah, that's a beautiful description for it. I don't even call it that. I just call it like word vomit. Um, or you know, in my darker moods, it's just like solid verbal feces that are just lying around, <laughs> waiting to become manure and I don't know, grow something. Sorry, guys. There's a lot of. That was a lot of fecal metaphor. Um, my dad's a gastroenterologist, and we have a farm, so I just there's a lot of shit all over the place. No worries, I love a good poop joke. Thanks. <laughs> all right. While we're on the topic of inspiration, what about music? Do you listen to music while you're writing? Do you have like a, a couple songs that would be like your playlist for Star Touch Queen? I, I. I do listen to music. It just kind of depends on my mood. Sometimes music is really distracting for me and I just have to live in complete and total silence with my beloved Bose headphones. Um, When I do listen to music, uh, it's sometimes like the same song over and over again. Um, Like there was one project I worked on recently where it was all I listened to was like the Inception movie soundtrack or the soundtrack to Chronicles of Narnia, uh, which is gorgeous, right? But then there were certain scenes in the Star Touch Queen where it was just straight up uh, rap and hip hop the whole time, just the entire time. And I I don't know, maybe it's because I'm from Atlanta, but I I listen to a lot of hip hop and I know it's not really good writing music. um, But for whatever reason, it just makes like my, my blood thrum and I'm totally in the world and... So, yeah, I could probably send you guys a couple songs. I I have to look for, like, non-expletive ones, though. I I will do that. (laughs) That would be awesome. I'd totally include it in a post. But (laughs) Yeah, sorry if it's a lot of, like, Tyga's Rhapsody. Rhapsody, (laughs) that's an awful, that's awful, though. No, I mean, depending on what rap or hip-hop, it's all about wordplay, right? That is very true. It's like poetry, man. That's true, that's true. Andrew Lamar has some gorgeous lyrics, and yeah. I will say that I love his I love his writing. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so, when you're plotting out the book and um, uh, working on writing it all out, do you usually start with the plot or develop the world first? Like, what's your process in terms of writing fantasy? Do you have to know? where they're inhabiting or do you have to know where they're going first honestly i i do the world building first i need to feel what is the for me like world building has a lot of um emotional weight to it so knowing their atmosphere and their living situation is kind of what gives me the first notes of their motivation and i have to know what they want and then the plot sort of molds itself to that feeling first. Mm-hmm. 
That makes sense. So the world, the characterizations, that all comes first, and then the plot development comes after that. Yes. Yeah. Especially, I don't know, maybe as I've done a lot more writing recently, sometimes I I spend like days thinking about random backstory things. Like how did this person mm-hmm. lose their tooth and what'd they eat that day? <laughs> and it, it just becomes strange little beats that string a story together. So it's very fun. What do you think your favorite thing to research for this book was? The food. I had so much fun researching food um, because first of all, it's food. And secondly, I, you know, I was, I am half Indian. And so, um, you know, my grandmother used to make a lot of these really, she still does, makes a lot of like wonderful dinners and stuff. But what always stood out in my mind was when we went to Indian weddings and the desserts, they looked positively otherworldly. And even though I hated the taste, oh God, I could, no, just vomit everywhere. But they were beautiful. <laughs> like, um, there was yeah. edible silver foil on them. Sometimes there were small rose petals layered under, like between like chunks of pistachio fudge and other stuff. It was really beautiful. And so it was a lot of fun to research because so often sometimes these food, um, these delicacies, whatever, have religious significance like you can't eat it until this day or you can't eat it until you're a girl and you've reached menarche or something like that so it was interesting to research that's definitely cool i'm excited to see what types of foods are in there food is such a big part of books you don't realize it until you're just the descriptions of it and then you're like wow and then i sit all day and like google all the stuff so it takes oh my gosh (laughs) <laughs> I made the mistake of reading yeah. The Wrath of the Dawn on an empty stomach. That was such a fool move. Oh, gosh, no. I was so hungry and also so in love with Kali by the end. It was just torture. <laughs> torture everywhere. Yeah. That's a perfect example yeah. of a food book right there. <laughs> and uh, A Song of Ice and Fire. George R. R. Martin loves his food description. <laughs> There's actually a book that's like a feast for Game of Thrones or something like that because there's so much food description oh, in that book. Oh, yeah, the cookbook. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. I would want to eat, like, mutton or whatever they eat, but... Yeah. If you guys <laughs> want to, go ahead and buy the book. Yeah. yeah, but crazy desserts I would definitely want, so... Lemon cake. <laughs> um, so did you have a favorite scene to write and um is there a scene that you're excited for readers to experience you don't have to give too much away but (laughs) I think one of my favorite scenes to write was when Maya and Amar start to explore the night bazaar and the night bazaar is this otherworldly magical market and you may find the strangest things for sale. Uh, You could find a chain of daydreams, an anklet of nightmares. There's jeweled fruit on the trees and dark things lurking behind corners and stuff. Um, And that was a really wonderful scene to write because I think it highlighted Maya's curiosity and her strong sense of wonder. Um, She's not jaded in that sense. She is delighted to be astounded um so that was a good that was a favorite scene to write uh but in terms of another scene that i'm really excited for readers i think it's um it's the chapter title is called the lion and the pillar and it is based on a story of lord vishnu who is one of the major deities in hinduism and his avatar which means like one of his reincarnations as um, a character known as Narasimha, and it's this part lion, part man, and uh, it's a very gruesome tale, but I think it has a lot to do with interpretation, and interpretation is a really, really big theme, I think, for the star-touched queen, because when you're moving around in fixed parameters like destiny and doom and horoscope, there's a lot that's left up to interpretation and the gaps between things, so answer yeah that sounds really cool a bit about Cassie sorry (laughs) it's okay um no that sounds really cool I'm excited (laughs) to 
explore the night bazaar as well. I love that kind of stuff with like fun, weird magic. Yeah. <laughs> <And then laughs> Me too. Weird like magical objects. Mm-hmm. That's cool. All right. We want to get into a little bit of stuff about you. So <laughs> are you a reader? And if you are, I mean, I'm pretty sure you're a reader, but what are some of your favorite books? Like I'm a huge, trip. huge reader. Um, I think that often I can consider myself like a fangirl first and writer second. But I think, so my favorite books most recently have been Uprooted by Naomi Novik. Oh, so good. I, I know. It was just mind-blowing. I adored it. Um, I also finished Tiffany Rises. I don't know how to say her last name. Rises? Rise? Um, the original Sinners series. It's really... <laughs> kind of awkward would not read it around your family but it is filled with very very deft characterization and witty as hell dialogue just wonderful um so I really love that and then I I think another all-time favorite um is Tithe by Holly Black I really loved that book growing up it was so 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 influential to me and I'm just a huge Holly Black fan um and I'm trying to think of one other book I know oh this is not like on my all-time favorites list, but the Winner's Curse trilogy is just mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> yeah, I just finished the series. The The Winner's Kiss was the perfect ending. Oh gosh, I know. I know. I can't like I had to I had to like not read for three days after I finished that series. It's just I just need to lie down <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of going through a little bit of a reading slump and that might be why. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> totally need to give yourself a breather for after the winner's kiss and just, you know, soak up the genius that is everything about Marie Rutkowski. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've, I'm trying to get Britt to read it. She, uh, she was starting the winner's curse, but, um, uh, it's still working on it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I started the audiobook and it was kind of off kilter. The, the narrator was, um, not working for me. So I'm going to stop and I'm just going to read the series because <laughs> I think it's too good to give up on and I'm not going to let somebody like somebody's voice inflection kill it for me. So I got to give myself like a reset period and then I'll start the whole thing again. <laughs> that makes complete sense. I totally agree. Um, so you mentioned the winners trilogy a little bit. We're both um, huge YA fantasy fans. Your book is a YA fantasy. Um, so what would you say are some of your favorite YA fantasies? So if people like that particular thing, they might like the star-touched queen, kind of. Oh, um, this is a great question. I really love Lainey Taylor's trilogy, Daughter of Smoke and Bone. I think it is just full of beautiful writing. And it is one of my favorite YA fantasies, and she's certainly one of my favorite authors. But it's also, I think, if you if you like the Star Touch Queen, I think you'll you'll like the Daughter of Smoke and Bone. They, they deal with similar themes of reincarnation, uh, journeys to self affirmation, true love. I hope. Um, and a lot of readers have told me that the Star Touch Queen reminded them of Cruel Beauty by Rosamund Hodge. And I think Rosamund Hodge is an amazing writer. And I'm so, so excited for her new book that's coming out in fall. Uh, it's, you know, Bright Smoke, Cold Fire, which I think is a line from one of Romeo's um, speeches in Romeo and Juliet. So I'm, I'm so excited about it. But I would definitely recommend those two if you like Star Touch Queen. Um, and other YA fantasies, I've got so many and I'm, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now and I'm blanking and this is probably because I don't have my glasses on. Ugh. I love, <laughs> I love uh, Kristen Kishore's work. I think Fire has to be one of my favorite, I think. Fire was really wonderful. And I would also, oh gosh, other why fantasy things I absolutely adored. Diana Wynne-Jones, Howl's Moving Castle. Nice. And Yes, that is, ugh, love it so much. And I love that Miyazaki film so much too. Yep. And it's just, all of these things, they just make my heart swell with so much joy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but those are my YA fantasy recommendations. 
Those are good yes. ones. I admittedly have not read the Daughter of Smoke and Bone trilogy yet, which people will probably yell at me for, but it's been on my list. I just need to sit down and start it. Yeah, it's it's really lovely. I think it's I think it's beautiful. Okay, so now obviously this book involves horoscopes, so we have to ask what is your sign and do you think it accurately describes your personality Cassie I want to know yours too and I'll tell mine too <laughs> okay <laughs> um I am an Aquarius and I am now blanking on what my Aquarius traits are <laughs> I think creativity is one of them and also um let's see hold on I'm googling this Aquarius <laughs> Well, while you're Googling it, maybe we can tell you about ours. Um, yes, I want to know. Sure, yeah. So I'm a Taurus, um, which means my birthday's coming up. <laughs> When's your birthday? And, uh, it's May 19th. Yay! Woohoo! Soon, almost a month. Um, actually, Uprooted came out on my birthday last year, so obviously that was my birthday present to myself. Um, and yeah, I think it does kind of describe me. I'm very strong-willed and stubborn, and um, yeah, I I think when I look at traits of a Taurus, um, I think yeah, that's me. And also, they had that recent thing where they changed the horoscope because they added in that other one, and I stayed a Taurus. So I told myself I was like, it's meant to be. You're totally a Taurus. Other people's changed and yours stayed the same. <laughs> That's wonderful. So. What about you, Grit? <laughs> I am a Scorpio. My birthday is in November, so I'm a little bit on the darker side of things sometimes. My weaknesses are really kind of um, kind of crazy, like jealousy and very unyielding, but my plus points are I'm extremely loyal and passionate and observant and resourceful. And that is a me to a T. I kind of just sit back and relax and I, I don't get involved, but I'm, I'm always watching and I'm always like kind of paying attention to what is going on. And loyalty is my number one thing in my life. I am loyal almost to a fault. So yeah, that's definitely me to a T. That's awesome. I love that. My my boyfriend is also a Scorpio, um, and I think he very much fits that thing, too, which is funny because I just looked up my Aquarius face, and I remembered it all over and was like, oh, yeah, no, that's totally you. Um, <laughs> it says I'm curious and imaginative, and I certainly hope I'm both of those things. I think that's what really drew me to writing in the first place, that idea of uh, constant exploration without really having to move. Um, and negative qualities, unpredictable and going off the track. Whoops. I do that. I do that all the time. <laughs> like, where are you? I'm not sure. I'm just wandering today. <laughs> so another good one for yours, Rashmi, is, um, I don't think this is a, a weakness is like <laughs> sarcastic. Oh, <laughs> I totally see that. I think that's a great call. I think so too. It's just awkward when someone doesn't know how to read it. And so you, then you look like, you look like a jerk and you're like, no, no, no. I'm laughing at all of us. Not just you, me too. So. We love them over That's here. True. So if you feel free to indulge anytime you want. And Aquarius, and that is actually one of the things that annoys me about him. The like, the wandering and like, oh my God focus on something no, yeah I'm like I shouldn't I'm not allowed to look up at the sky I, I'll like walk into a car <laughs> so it's like awful <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh that's funny all right we have some kind mm. of um a little bit funny questions I added one so I'm gonna make us go out of order here for a second <laughs> that's okay but what is your favorite thing to splurge on like mine is obviously books but I am a sucker for makeup. Like I go crazy. I can't go in like a five mile radius of a Sephora or Mac or my wallet will empty out. Um, that's okay. my vice completely. I splurge on so much makeup. It's so bad. It's, it's like not okay. I like fall for the ridiculous, um, like really, really weird skin creams. Um, my family and I, we went to the Philippines in December to visit my mom's family 
And we were in Seoul, South Korea for our layover. And oh my gosh, all of their skincare products. It's like, this is layered with 14 karat gold. I'm like, well, definitely I have to buy it and put it on my face. Like (laughs) diamond caviar mask, like excellent. Give it to me. Um, So then I like went broke from that and I broke out and I was like, okay, that was karma. I get it. Thanks, universe. That's that's what I said. That and fake lashes. I can't stop. It's so bad. Mm -hmm. So bad. And then I leave them lying around and my poor boyfriend is like, oh my God, giant centipede. Oh Oh my God, my son, my five-year-old just found mine and he said the same thing. He said, mommy, a bug. And I'm like, no, (laughs) lashes. (laughs) It's not a bug. Let's go on my face. (laughs) Don't worry about it. I, how can you guys put those on? I just get really weirded out about touching my eyes. It's one of those, like, I wear glasses because I can't do contacts. Like, I just can't touch my eyeball <laughs> or even come near it. Like, I know I don't have to actually touch my eyeball to put on fake lashes, but it's just too close. <laughs> it's too much. To it. They have a little weight to them, and you just kind of go with it. <laughs> yeah, I guess you get used to it. <laughs> Um, so this is one of my favorite icebreakers questions, which is weird that we're asking it at the end of the conversation. But, um, if you were trapped on a deserted island, what dessert would your island be made out of? Ooh, what dessert? Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to have to go with a Southern favorite and it is chess pie. And I don't know why it's called chess pie. Some people say that it was a southern twang when someone asked what kind of pie that was, and they're like, it's just pie. (laughs) But I have have no clue what is in chess pie. I I think it's made with, like, cornmeal and something else. It is so decadent and just so lush as a pie, and I just want to die in it, really. It's like, that's all. I just looked it up, and it looks delish. It is cornmeal. (laughs) You're right. It's like cornmeal and vanilla and milk and sugar which is like you don't need anything more than that so yeah I think it sounds so basic but it is so good oh my god <laughs> that's a good one I'm for it all for it I want to hear your answer Brett what would your island be made out of these Louise I'm such a big baked goods person I'm like things are like just cataloging through my mind right now I really <laughs> go with the tiramisu yeah mm. okay. That's, yeah, that's what I'd go with, for sure. I I always say a banana split because if I get sick of one thing, I just eat the other smart. thing. That is really smart. <laughs> I love the efficiency of that dessert. You will never get bored. That's great. <laughs> I won't. Yeah. Ian's like, worst case scenario, I could use one of bananas to build a raft. <laughs> oh, Cassie. <laughs> Things I think about. That was wonderful. Oh, all right. This is our last question. So I love that we put this question in because it sounds like a total you question. But if you could have any magical, mythical creature as like a lifelong companion, pet type thing, what would it be and why? (gasps) This question! It is everything! Okay. Um, I really want a hippocampus like a water horse but not like a maggie steve otter scorpio races water horse because then i would just i would just die but i would i just think it'd be awesome to like show up at the beach and be like hold up a second i'm just gonna go chill with my water horse as we like ride through tides and i can live out my whale rider fantasy without like actually being on a whale because that's just not that glamorous but a cool looking horse that's that's totally yeah that's my jam i want that like a Percy Jackson water horse? Yeah, yeah, that too. That could totally, yeah, that. Oh, I just water horse. Uh, um, you know like that scene yeah. in the first Lord of the Rings where Arwen is whispering to the water and then the river rises up and there's like a bunch of horses that are just stampeding over the Nazgul and stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I want. Yeah, that was- I just want to be an elf princess, really. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Kathy, what's yours? <laughs> Oh, man, it's so hard. I should have thought more about this. I mean, I just have always had a thing for unicorns. So um, 
I'm probably, I'm probably because I haven't thought about it thoroughly, and it's really annoying me because usually I think about everything in like worst case scenario sort of framing. Um, but uh, I'm just gonna go with a unicorn, just because they're so majestic, and I could ride on a unicorn, and it would be amazing. That's perfect. So this is kind of like cliche, but listen. I was a dragon lady before dragons were the cool thing. <laughs> forever and always be a dragon. That That's it. You know, me and Danny are going to have to duke it out because I am the true mother of dragons. <laughs> for her. So that's, that's my one and only answer always will be a dragon. That's <laughs> a good answer. You are such a sweetheart. Thank you so much for being here. Are you, are you going to be at BEA this year? I hope so. I, I wish I could be there for the whole time, but I think I'm only going to be there on May 11th. I'll be part of the School Library Journal's Day of Dialogue, and I will be talking about gods and monsters. So, like, my jam. It's it's awesome. But I'm only there for a day, which is really upsetting, because you guys are the greatest, and I really want to hang out and just talk all the time. Or are we um, well, is that is that open to anyone? Because scheduling wise, our May eleventh are pretty mm, open. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything. No one really tells me anything. I'm just like told the date, and then I just show up. Um, yeah. I will double check on that. I think it is open to people, or it may just be librarians. But maybe I don't know. I will try to work something out, and I'll just put up a Twitter thing and be like, I am here at the Starbucks. Anyone else want to come hang out? Okay. Bye. So. I love yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And you know, of course, come to yeah. work. We'll, just, we'll, crash, with we'll, we'll crash your author stage. No big deal. Oh my gosh. Perfect. Yeah. We'll just like hover around it if they won't let us <laughs> in. Just be poking our heads up in the background. Um, oh my, at, uh, at uh, ALA Midwinter, there are a couple of bloggers who just like jumped the like security line. Like, I don't even think they were allowed to come to the sign. And they're like, we're here. Don't tell anyone. I'm like, I don't know your name, but what should I write in your arc? So that's awesome. And my friend Rachel got me um, a, an arc from you at ALA. She, you got it personalized for me. And I was uh, like over the moon excited because she surprised me. <laughs> with it and I was like literally crying because I was like oh my <laughs> god this is the best <laughs> I'm so glad yes we're all very excited everybody in the book world is super excited for your book so really thank you so much for being here it was a pleasure to have you on our little our little podcast right Cass thank you so much for having yeah. me this was awesome and yes um so Everyone listening, be sure to check out the Star Touch Tween coming out April 26th at a bookstore near you. Uh, and we are planning to review the book um, a week after this podcast goes up. So we'll have our normal spoiler-filled and non-spoilery reviews. So be sure to come back then. Um, thanks so much, Rashi. You're welcome. I hope you guys have a good one. You Bye. too. Bye.